You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWR.com where you can, as I say every week, you know, read our stuff, listen to the podcast, download MWCR on Twitter. Jeremy here, hanging out with him, Matt, who's back from his uh, East Coast excursion. So, uh, did you have a good trip? I saw you did some fun things, ate some good pizza. Went to three it was good excellent. Shows. Yes, thank you for asking. Did you like my my gif of the office I put on your Facebook page about the best yeah. pizza? As I mean, it, yeah, it was, nice be, it was nice being in the, the, in the home of uh, Rutgers Charlotte Knights football. Oh, you mean Fordham Rams. Excuse me, get it right. Oh, that's right. Or the Columbia. <laughs> Columbia has a football team, right? Columbia does. Fordham does. Yeah, and the Bronx it does. Uh... I think I passed I think I passed a sign at one point for Long Island <laughs> University. I know they've got a they've got a division two team, I think. They do have a team. Just pick your pick your poison for New York's one true team. It doesn't matter. There you go. But it's always fun. So we're back. Week ten. We're at week 10. It's November, which means it's football weather. It's snowed today where I'm located at. So, I mean, football is really here, Matt. Yeah, uh, it, it rained here in, in, in Fresno. So, fall has officially arrived in the Central Valley. <laughs> it's not 105 degrees, right, as well? That, too. It's a tolerable temperature out west. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's crazy. All right. So, do we, do, we, do you have any thoughts about last week or anything you need to, you missed? You need me to get you abreast upon or we should just dive into uh our week 10 games here no i mean I, I noticed that last week had a lot of close results even between even in the contests that maybe weren't expected to be necessarily all that close i mean i, I did see on on social media that jake hayner came back and that the bulldogs were able to rally uh against san diego state late at night mm-hmm. um wyoming escaping with the paniolo trophy again san jose state surviving an upset bid from nevada and then boise state doing pretty much i guess what you and i expected them to do on saturday right humble yes essentially did you see the onside kick san diego state could not recover i did not see that so you should watch it because first state did not do a good job with the onside kick it was like a floater but not a floater but went through mm-hmm. the hands of aztec guy and fresno just came up with it which is good for them but it was yeah. not a well-executed kick they got a little uh you know, a fumble luck involved because it's a, a oblong shaped ball that bounces awkwardly and try to catch. So 
Yeah. Oh, your, your Bulldogs won, but week 10. We now have more games this week. We have six games. All we got on rivalry Saturday. games. Rivalry games, a rivalry that's going to end. That's an unconference rivalry. We have Commander in Chief online. Uh, a couple rivalries. We have a quarterback who might be back, which we're very excited for that happens. But game one, very early kickoff, which is fine by me. 9.30 Mountain Time for the Falcons of Air Force traveling to is it really Choctaw Stadium? Is that what it's called there in Arlington, the home of the Rangers? Oh, you mean the, the giant billion-dollar Home Depot that they built down there? You mean, yeah, the shed-out backyard? Yeah. What is Choctaw? Yeah, whatever, they're, whatever they're calling it these days, it's it's definitely in Arlington, Texas. Home of the Texas. I mean, look at what Choctaw is. Hold on. Um, it's also, it is a uh, Native American tribe, so maybe it's made after that, named after them. There's a casino and resort, which makes sense, but... Uh, Interesting. So that might be what it's named after. So because there's always interesting, unique names that are named for stadiums and bowl games. But this is the second year in a row they played their right match against Army, the, their forces. The Army. Commander's Classic. Commander's Classic. So I get Army Navy, they play in Philadelphia, they'll play in Baltimore, they'll play on the East Coast a lot. Or San Diego they played as well. Why the heck is this game in north of Dallas? Because is the because you know why? Well, one central. money. You already you already know that answer. Well, two, good, two. It, want... uh, yeah, the central location. But also, like when you really think about it, army and navy, navy or army, navy, and air force are all sort of national brands. Sure. In that you know when you know the military academies, unlike you know every other team in the Mountain West, and you know unless you're like an Ohio State or or an Alabama, you can go anywhere and pick anybody. You know, these teams recruit nationally from from no coast point. to coast and so you know it's it's sort of cool that they've elevated this game to the same i mean it's not the same kind of status that army navy holds in the sort of the public consciousness but it's, it's sure. cool that they've sort of raised it to a national platform it is you know on over the air cbs you know they've given it a unique start time where you know there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on it like you know generally speaking these games in the last few years have done pretty good ratings and that's, you know, and it's really what it's all about. You know, it's a big time rivalry. And for Air Force in particular, there's a lot at stake for the Falcons to come out on top in this game. There's also skip the last half hour of whatever guest picker they're doing in Alabama or Georgia. What is it? Georgia, Tennessee. And watch this game. Come on. Do your due exactly. diligence. Watch, watch actual football and just um, wish Lee course for the best because he needs to be done with college game day. I'm sorry. It's health wise. He's old, but oh, man. It's tough to watch sometimes when he's out there, but uh, we'll see what Mascotty puts on. Or you can watch on Twitter because he'll be there, but watch football. And Air Force is a seven-point favorite. And are we going to learn a lesson and take the under on this game because it's 40 and a half? Or what, what's the deal here with that? That's true. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I already but... did, so that's a spoiler. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. I did, <laughs> for me at least. Okay, well, uh, yeah. let me ask you this then, because I don't have this information in front of me. I didn't think to look it up until right now. Mm-hmm. What is Army's record this year Not in over-under? Oh, over, oh, that? I don't know. I just know. I always begrudgingly chose it because they scored a decent amount of points in certain games, though, because they put up 28 in a loss, 38 in a loss, 49, and then the past two weeks, but played Monroe and Colgate. They played two FCS teams this year. Mm-hmm. But they put up so the record against the spread. I mean, see, they had four losses or three to four. 
They, the only game they did not put points up again was Georgia State and Wake Forest. Everything else, they've been scoring 20-plus, 40-plus a couple of times here. And so maybe so I'm that's, that's not, not, not actually doing what I'm. That's not actually what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about this Army team. What are you thinking about? Well, you th- we're talking over-under, so that's why I was going to points. I'm, t- I'm Okay, so let's talk about talking about the Air Force offense. And, and in particular, good. this Army defense, which is not good. No. So just to throw this out there, because, you know, Army has had de- sort of a down year, and a lot of that has had to do with the fact that defense has, for lack of a better term, been a sieve way more often than, than, than the Black Knights have been in the last couple of years. And much of that, has to do with the fact that they cannot stop the run at all which is weird which is weird but they've been especially shredded in the last month or so you know they they had a nice start to the season i guess if you want to call it a nice start like (laughs) let's put it this way like in their first three games against coastal carolina utsa and villanova they allowed fewer than five yards per carry on the ground Granted, okay. against the Chanticleers and against the the Wildcats, it was not that far under. It was five four point nine six, four point nine four, just but, a little bit. But in but in three of the last four weeks against the likes of Georgia State, Colgate, and Louisiana Monroe, with also Wake Forest thrown in there, they've given up over six yards of carry in three of those last four games. And in the one game they didn't, they lost by thirty five to the Demon Deacons, and they gave up four touchdowns on the ground. For lack of a better term, like you look at their splits in terms of like points per drive, and you see that the offense, for the most part, has has done its job. Like when they've been asked to move the ball down the field, you know, matriculate the ball, chew up time, and punch it in. On the year, the Army offense is averaging two point seven eight points per drive, so that's like thirtieth in the country, and that's right in line, I believe, with what the Falcons themselves have been able to manage. They're actually 29th. so they're like neck and neck in that regard. Problem is the Falcons on defense are giving up 1.68 defensive points per drive. It's a little different. There. Army, by contrast, is 129th, oh, 3.66. So, like opponents have been able to push them around, especially on the ground. So, for all these, for all the things that both offenses are likely to do well, running essentially variations of the same you know run based system. The biggest factor in this game is going to be whether the Black Knights can stop the Falcons at all, and and maybe kind of related to that, whether the Falcons can avoid getting out of their own way in you know a given week. You know, because we saw against Navy, like that game could have gone a lot differently if the if the Falcons hadn't fumbled three times, and Fair that's point, yeah. you know t- holding onto the football has just been one of those things that has they have not been as proficient as as they have been in years past. But especially against an army defense that, you know, uh, Andre Carter II, who came into the year, you might recall, with a lot of NFL draft related hype, you know, he was relatively quiet when he was playing and he hasn't played the last two weeks. And according to uh, Eric Edholm, um, you know, there was news that, you know, he might be back this week. But if he's not, there are very few excuses for the Air Force running game, whether that's Zeke Daniels, Brad Roberts, John Lee Aldridge III, anybody else they decided to throw out there. Yeah. 
if they can't run the ball against this defense, that might be, that might be like their most inexcusable loss if it comes to that. Yeah, but Carter's like he even when he's playing, he's only has eighteen tackles and two sacks. Yeah. So he hasn't even though there's I was looking at before, like I I seen around mock drafts and I I know more and more coming, but some back from September and stuff like that. He's a potential first round guy. So he has talent. Is maybe teams are focused on him a bit more. Numbers for linebacker, you want it's not necessarily it's not like a nose tackle where they eat up space and you don't have stats. If you're a linebacker and you're supposed to be a first round pick. You need to be putting up numbers. And I'm yeah, not like, sure. Let's put it this way. It's not good. You know, it's I, not I, mentioned, I mentioned stuff right here and there on this podcast, which is essentially for those of you who might be first time listeners, first of all, welcome Thank if that's you. the case. But stuff rate is just, you know, how often you're making stops at or behind the line of scrimmage. Army is dead last by that metric in the country 9.1%. And oh, by the way, they're also 129th in opportunity rate allowed. Air Force should be able to chew up this defense on the ground, running what it wants to without much frills. So if that means 25 carries from, from Brad Roberts for 150 yards, if that means, you know, like 10, 12 carries for John Lee Eldridge mm-hmm. for like 75 yards and a touchdown, like if if they can't put up the same kind of numbers that we've seen them put up against weak defenses this year. Like if I'm, a, if I'm a if I'm a Falcons fan, that would seem like really egregious to me. I would think the only way Army can hang around is if Air Force has their fumble issues, which has been a problem in multiple games this year. Mm-hmm. So red zone and losing the ball, where they just end up with no points, that I think is the one way Army would be able to just keep it close. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they can do because, like the Roberts Eldridge, they'll probably be a deep pass here or there. They may not. Well, they don't even need to throw the, throw the ball, obviously. But you're right. The way Army's defense is so bad, and like they're near the bottom in yards per play, the points per drive is not very good. They don't they don't stop anybody behind the line of scrimmage. They're just overall not a good football team. Like five and a half yards per carry, gee, that's beyond ridiculous. Like Air Force should, not kidding, should get 400 yards rushing this game. I don't think that's I don't think that's saying too, I don't think that's going to be an Super eye popping staff, they get 400 yards. I think that should be reasonable expectation. I think in this game, yeah. And I mean, the, the other catch is too the Falcons defense has to make stops because you know, on paper, like I can I can cite stats for you all, all you know, all podcasts long, sure, why not? But you know, going back to stuff right for just a moment, the Falcons on paper should have an advantage there. Like, they're at, to this point in the year, they're basically a top 40 team in that regard, so. Like their stuff rate is near is basically double of what of what Army's is nineteen point eight percent forty first overall in the country, and it's been a team effort in that regard. You know, TD Blackman of course has led the way. Bo Richter's had so like their linebackers have made plays, but we just saw them you know sort of get, go quiet in that regard last week against Boise State or a couple of weeks ago against Boise State. Excuse me. Um, you know, when they only had four TFLs and the Broncos were able to do just enough on the ground to outlast them in that game. And Army, you know, despite a little bit of quarterback shuffling, you know, they started the year with Tyher Tyler. You know, the last couple of weeks have belonged to Jamel Jones, who entered the year as their third string quarterback. You know, despite that, despite some turnover in the backfield, you know, some shuffling up front on the offensive line. Like this offense, like this offensive line in particular, is every bit the Falcons' own equal. 
So that's one of those instances where, you know, Army has shown enough on that side of the ball to think that they might be able to flatten the defense or, or the difference between, you know, Air Force's ability to get disruption against weaker units like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out because if anything, th- this might turn into more of a shootout than anybody would expect. Could be because the two of the three games Air Force has lost because low scoring game defensive battles. Wyoming 17 14, mm-hmm. Boise 19 14. Um, Utah and their defense played well in the Boise game, obviously holding so many field goals. Utah State was the outlier 34 27. And that's not necessarily a shootout, but that's not necessarily. It's like in between. I mean, it's like, oh, it's a good scoring output. And that yeah. was when they had the Coupler gone. That's when the running game. Utah State did pretty well with Calvin Tyler Jr. over 100 yards. Cooper Legault rushed for 76 to QB on the ground. So, if Air Force is two ways, if Air Force, excuse me, Army rush offense can go in a bit, and they they need to make a couple stops, or hope Air Force stalls out the red zone or something, or they make a bad pitch option because that's we've seen Ezekiel Daniels have a few problems occasionally on the pitch, and it'll take Air Air Force to kind of screw up. More than to to get the to not win this game because I I believe like we mentioned going through what how Air Force runs the ball Army's defense what they can and can't do mostly can't do their offense is fine whatever you know we've been discussing what the Army's it's the same they, they see it all the time what Falcons that's why it's weird so I'm gonna go back one step here but that's what's interesting where the defense I know they when Army plays against their scout offense they're not facing typically the run option but they do enough. And just practice in general overall, because all the time where the first team goes against each other, just to get a better look and better, like a um, better, just better challenge what they're going mm-hmm. up against. And so it's they see us enough, so it is odd of how bad they are offensively running the ball, or excuse me, stopping the run on the defense, because you see it enough weather. Because it's even if you don't practice, you're around it all the time. You hear about it. You know what, what you're doing. You face Navy every year. You face Army every. You face this particular offense. They almost fairly similar twice a year and so it shouldn't ever be this bad that's why it's interesting why i think oh low scoring game but it'll come down to like for me honestly both these teams have the same amount of touchdowns their rushing stats are almost the same when you look at kind of big picture yards per play yards per drive armies a touch better touchdowns are the same attempts are per game about the same as well a couple more for air force but it's just army defense note that I think it's important to note that Army's rushing game has been a touch more explosive than Air Force's too. Yeah, and, yeah, and, they, they, and they're just as deep. Like they've got ten guys who've had uh, at least ten rushing attempts this year. Not a huge mm-hmm. shocker, right? Yeah, no, Every single not. one of them has at least one touchdown. And I think more importantly, yeah. for the purposes of this game, eight of the ten are averaging over five yards per carry. And that includes so anybody... the guys who have done most of the heavy, like, you know, when, when Tyheer Tyler was, was the quarterback, you know, he led, the, he still leads the team in touchdowns despite how to having played the last couple of weeks. Um, but he averaged five yards per carry. Jones, the, the, you know, the, the newcomer has averaged almost seven yards a carry with five rushing touchdowns. So like those quarterbacks take on a lot in that offense, but they've also gotten help from, from other sort of up and comers like Iwan Marshall over the last couple of weeks take it over he's averaged 11 yards per attempt on 16 carries mm-hmm. you know jacoby buchanan is a guy who takes on a lot of like sort of the short yardage duties you know he's probably one of the biggest reasons why they're converting i believe 50 percent of their third downs this year if i'm not mistaken so 
you know, it's it's a situation where you know Air Force is going to have to be prepared for anything. Yeah, what are the advanced numbers say? Because I think, like, the more I look into it, I can see where armies. The worst thing on the field is Army's defense. Mm-hmm. That's clear that we're so they could go toe to toe offensively. You we, we you mentioned there could be fewer possessions just because of the long out drives. But mm-hmm. if Army's defense is that bad, Air Force can go four, six plays, sixty five yards, like running the ball six times and score a touchdown in ninety seconds. So that could be an interesting fact that they could be back and forth. So that's the reason where maybe the under is not the best choice because if Air Force scores, scores quickly and Army draws the ball out, but they're still moving and scoring, there's a chance this could be 50 over, maybe 50 points potentially. But uh, what are the events that are for this matchup here? Okay, so SP Plus does like Air Force in this game. They gave him a 66% win probability, projected margin of seven points. Uh, FBI also likes the Falcons by a little bit more, 11.7. And uh, Parker Fleming, at Stats of War on Twitter. His advanced stats preview gives Air Force a 73.48% win probability, projected margin of 30 to 21. Interesting. 30 to 21. What do you say? What do you think is going to happen? Well, first of all, I'm going to take the over. Okay. And we're different we're, on there. Okay. And, That's you know, good. even though Army's won two straight in this matchup, I, I mean, the Falcons just they're they're the more complete team. They should win this game, and so I think that they will. I'm going to say Falcons twenty seven, Black Knights twenty four. I think Air Force should reasonably win this game. I'm going twenty eight ten Air Force. All right then, I think they can do it. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Next game, New Mexico at Utah State, CBS Sports Network. Up at Maverick Stadium, one thirty local time, twelve thirty Pacific. Uh, did you notice um, New Mexico has a new quarterback? The past couple, they, they, they've had uh, yeah, Justin Holliday, right? Couple of weeks, right? Past few weeks, I believe. I was trying to think, like, was it last week? The first week, and I think versus New Mexico State, they started as well. So this particular game, it's well, we'll see. Aggies are a huge sixteen and a half point favorite, and um, look at the depth chart for Utah State. 
And who knows how often they change these map because some coaches just don't change it, you know, because they'll keep it the same. Uh-huh. But full, I would expect Cooper Lagarde to be starting for Utah State. No more Davenport, no Levi Williams, who I think is still injured because Davenport kind of like a, not that he's a try hard guy, but he tries to do a lot and he's a true freshman. And it's kind of hard to get stuff done when you're QB4. And yeah. so if, they, if, Coop, if Cooper's back and healthy from his concussion stuff, this game should be no contest, honestly, for Utah State. But also, have you been keeping up with the uh, drama around the Aggies program the past week or so? Or have you been too busy uh, on your trip? Only a little bit. Why don't you Why don't you catch me and the listeners up who may have uh, uh, not heard about this? I did spend about 15 minutes on the podcast because of four games last week on myself. But they're okay. just glad that they're just glad there's a football game going on this week. Okay. Partly there's a couple of things. I'll do it really quick because maybe not everybody listens to every show, which is fine. So do you remember when Blake Anderson uh, during the Vegas Bowl or should we lost the Kimmel Bowl? Comments came out about sexual assault and kind of how he's recorded about he apologized, but how it kind of glamorizing to be a victim a little bit. Do you remember that from about a year I ago? I do remember that, yes. So they're they're having conversation about protect yourself because it's no secret football players are popular and people want to hang around and just be near them for whatever reason. Yeah. And so the better choice of words, obviously, just be careful who you associate yourself with, obviously. Be careful what you're doing. But what the biggest thing was recently, a former player, Patrick Maddox, who's no longer on the team, kind of got forced out because he's the guy who leaked the audio. And he started mm-hmm. to help a friend because that was one of the lawsuits. Because he does say it's had a lot of issues. Like, was it Tory Green and a couple other guys have gone to jail yeah. for stuff like this? So it's not great. I know it's not everybody, but that's just kind of been another distraction because he's still in the school, this former player. Like, oh, I talked, he's mentioned what's going on. So his stuff got damaged, lockers, and they're in, in the lawsuit. And Coach Anderson can't really say much because I get it. It's not because he's innocent or guilty or whatever. He just don't want to mess up what's being talked about behind closed doors for lawsuits, which people should understand. So he's not going to yeah. say, I'm innocent or no, I'm wrong or blah, 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 whatever. He's just saying, wishes him the best, which probably is true on some level. He kind of felt like the players could punish him as they see fit for um, sending out the information about what was said in those private meetings, which not the best, but when the stuff that he feels not great going on, that's uh, not a good look. So you have that, you have John Hartwell suddenly resigned to stay close to his family. So there's probably some more stuff behind the scenes going on there mm-hmm. because he was in running for the Auburn job. He did not get it, but let's just, yeah, they're just want to play football and we'll see how that goes. Cause it's, it's not a good look for the program overall with what's been going on, how it's been said. So that's kind of the quick version. You can check stuff out. So like Tribune had a, a bigger piece on it for the police did too, but they just want to play football. And that's what we're going to focus on. Now. That's kind of the big news of there of last week where no game and just some lawsuit against the team and, pro- and schools coming out. So it's not uh not just, ideal. Yeah. Just, just be better. I always said on the podcast, just be nice to people. It's simple as that. Just be nice to everybody. But this game, go. Cooper got being back is a big deal. Um, New Mexico, their defense has a, uh, can we just say taking a turn after being pretty good for most of the year? It has not been pretty as of late. Correct. I We're will at two and that. six, two and six, oh and four in league play. And then here's a quote that's not. It's kind of. I don't think the um, the defense was trying to throw their guys under the bus. I mean, excuse me. The uh, if I can open my link. Sorry, I have a quote here. I'm trying to open up here installing. But Jarek Reed on diff. Actually, one of the better defenders on the team, secondary. There was uh they're talking. I was trying to read. Okay, what, what's what are they saying this week? Who's starting quarterback if they go back? He basically goes, "We play defense. We can't worry about what the offense is doing. If they're not scoring, then we've got to stop the opposing team from scoring. It's that simple." 
So it's like, ooh, it's a little well, awkward. He's not, he's not wrong. Like, what's he's where's not, the lie? In that I'm not statement? wrong, but it's also a little awkward. I'm just saying, just a little. Cool. I mean, he's got he's got one responsibility, and that's that's to stop Cooper Lega. That's to stop Calvin Tyler Jr. from breaking off big plays and and, and providing coverage to Terrell Vaughn and stuff like that. Like. Get some help though. I don't, that's what the, I don't see what the comfort. I don't see what the controversy is. One side of the ball is doing its best to get things done, and the other side is struggling mightily. He's just kind of saying, "Give me some help here, guys." He's doing what he's got to do. I just that's just a little bit. It's like oh, it's, I like him being honest about. Yeah, we do our job. They need to do their job. And Utah State, it'll be interesting because with Lagaw back, they've been really good. Once we need to go over for um, Logan Bonner, who's unfortunately out for the earth, is a broken ankle, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. But they're on the road and. Aggies have been doing better. Like when you look at what they did recently with um, Davenport, they d- did their freaking best versus Wyoming. They beat CSU is not not difficult, but what they need is obviously Calvin Tyler to get going. They need if Kubler got what's what's he supposed to be doing or what he how he has been playing, they should be fine and it shouldn't be a concern winning this game because the Mexico's defense should offer some resistance, but. The Lobos' offense is just dreadful, and Aggies honestly may only need if they play a bad game. They might only Matt only need seventeen points to win this game, and that might be generous. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think the the one thing I'm interested in is whether the bye week has actually helped the Lobos, because you know, getting thrown into a situation like he did, like Justin Holiday did against Fresno State, a team that, that seems to be sort of on the way back up into contention over the last few weeks. You know, they it, he wasn't the only new starter in that game, too. Like, you know, they try to look up who else they had in the starting lineup as I'm talking. You know, they were they started, you know, at least one new wide receiver. They started like it's just it's not a not great good. situation to be in. Like they, uh, they had a new starter at center too. I didn't even realize that until after and the fact. New, and new quarterback, so that's double problems possibly. So you know, it's a it's a team that's really struggling to find an offensive identity that works for them. But also, like the personnel doesn't really the personnel changes don't help either. No, well, because Miles Kendrick wasn't performing, and they got a new quarterback holiday. He's doing even worse. It seems like. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a, I think that. The defense has sort of suffered a little bit too, and I think you know maybe that has more to do with you know some you know injury concerns. Like you know, uh, sorry, sorry, just lost my train of thought. No. Things definitely getting back to the swing of things here. But you know, they, yeah, they yeah they have you know they had to move Jarek Reed, for instance, back to one of the safety positions after you know he played uh, at cornerback against the. What was it against Wyoming a couple weeks ago? A few weeks ago, yeah, recently, yeah, a few weeks ago. So you, know, you look at their depth chart. You look at their depth chart now, and you know they have another true freshman out there in the starting lineup. You know Bryson Taylor, who I believe started against the Aggies, uh, the New Mexico Aggies, excuse me, New Mexico State. It's just you know this. It's a team that is really starting to fall apart personnel wise, maybe injury wise at the worst possible time, you know, you would think at this juncture in the season, they might have found something at which they can build around, but it just doesn't seem like it. And, you know, if the defense isn't playing at the same level it was early in the season and the offense hasn't made any progress at all, you, to your point, this is a game that Utah state, even if things aren't firing on all cylinders should be able to win this game pretty comfortably, I would say. 
They should, and they if there's any hope for a bowl game, they have to win this game. Yeah, because they're sitting at three and five. They basically have to win, go three and one the rest of the way. If they're gonna do that, and you just kind of looking ahead real quick, they Hawaii fine, but they got San Jose State, Boise State bowl game seems unlikely. But yeah, they just need to take care of business. This is a game where it's like, all right, we got our this is a perfect game for Cooper got to come back in. New Mexico's defense will provide some resistance, but not enough to be. It'll be pretty good, I think. But they've been, like you said, we they've been deteriorating the past two weeks, and it's depth stuff. We mentioned position changes. Guys getting banged up here and there, which everybody's banged up. But it's like, how good are you from your first to second or second to third guy or rotating positions to plug the hole here? But they don't have that giant slap tape where the guy gets on the big old water jug where he just smacks it and nothing comes through because that's it, amazing. They're trying mm-hmm. to plug every hole possible. And it's like, there's a new one here, a new one there. Oh, got this one fixed. Oh, crap. One over here and stop this, stop this. And it's all going to eventually fall apart, which is what it seems like it's doing. And I just don't see the offense. Like, the running game hasn't been doing anything special. There, There's nothing good on this offense for, for me to say New Mexico can have a chance to win the game. I just don't. There's nothing. I think if there's one thing I'm looking for Legato to improve upon in this game, it's that he hasn't been quite as sharp on third downs in particular. And if New Mexico is going to keep Utah State close in this game, Mm -hmm. it's going to be because they maintain the upper hand on third downs. Like that's something that the Lobos have continued to do all season long. You know, only Boise State actually has allowed a a lower conversion rate in those situations, 33.6%. And Legato for his part, you know, on the one hand, he's completing fewer passes on third downs than on first and second, you know, 67.6 to 65 to 56.5. So like, that's one thing. But when it comes to throwing the ball, you know, he has one interception, which isn't great, but he only has seven first downs on 23 attempts too, which is, yeah, that's about 30% of the time. If Utah State's going to walk in this game, he's got to be better than that by not maybe not by a huge margin, but by a margin that's enough that you know you know they move the ball down the field or at a minimum, you know even if drives stall, that they put the New Mexico offense on its back foot, let Stephen constantly win the field position advantage for you, things like that. Let the defense go out there and make plays in a way that they have, you know, maybe Hunter Reynolds goes out and you know gets a pick instead of a, a pass breakup, turns that into another pick six or something like that. So I think that, you know, long story short, there are probably more ways for Utah State to win this game, even if things don't work out all the way around, than, than vice versa for New Mexico. Okay, what are the advanced numbers say for this one then? Aggies by a so lot. As- <laughs> so SP plus does like Utah state uh, 72% win probability projected margin of 10.2 uh, FEI also likes the Aggies by 9.7 and uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives Utah state a 79.5% win probability projected margin of about 22 to 11. That's it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, I guess it's projecting the under. I, I mean, I don't know if... By a lot. <laughs> I, like, I don't know if the projection systems have really caught up with how bad the New Mexico New Mexico offense has been. It's really bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go 30 to 10 Utah State. I mean, I don't know if the margin is going to be that big. It, I think it they might can't, be a they, little bit Lobos closer can't than that. score. How are they going to score? They're not going to... There's no well, points. 
Oh, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying it's going to be something like 21 to six. Okay, is that your score then? 21 to six. That's my score. Utah State wins. All right, next game: BYU Boise State at uh, in on the blue turf in Albertson Stadium. FS2 due to World Series pushing games. Fox baseball, FS1 bigger football. This is an interesting time too. Five local time on the blue turf. Boise is a seven and a half point favorite, and that might not be enough, Matt. That might be too not enough points. So, what's been going on with the Cougars since the last time we checked in on them? Uh, let me see. When was it? Let me pull up their schedule here. It's been a couple weeks. It would have um, been a few weeks ago. Yeah, they uh, well, currently since they beat Utah State, they're on a four four game losing streak. Okay, they've lost to Notre Dame by eight points. They got their butt kicked by Arkansas, fifty two thirty five. They gave up 38 unanswered points to Liberty to lose 41 to 14. And they could not convert a fourth down to save their life to lose to East Carolina 27-24 on it with a game-winning knuckleball field goal last time expired. So so not great out there in Provo. <laughs> they are number three in the country in starters to play this year behind um, Texas A&M. They're tied with New Mexico and – or. Either whatever they're tied, them in Colorado, New Mexico, Texas, and I'm all of like 42 to 45. But those teams have in common, Matt, Matt, all losing records at the moment. Yikes. There's injuries. There's not playing well. There's the defensive coordinator attempted to resign, but Kalani Saki said, no, we need everybody around. So, um, yeah, it's not great. Not great. So, so what do you think that bodes for with regards to the Boise State offense that's been retooled? You and mean the surging think, offense that that has a hundred plus yards of George Shalani going crazy and Taylor yeah, Green being so, able to throw the ball well? So I can't remember okay. if it was part. So I can't remember if it's Parker Fleming or, or Richard Johnson or maybe both. Where um, I, I remember at least at the end of September, you know, they send out this reminder to quote unquote update your priors. Yeah. And so do you know what that means, Jeremy? Not exactly. No, I've seen I saw Parker tweet it today. I think he did. So essentially, my understanding of it, and maybe they'll think that I'm wrong about this, but my understanding is you need to sort of you need to sort of shift your expectations about every month into the season. So like after September, you're a third of the way through the season. You can't necessarily hold on to all of your preseason expectations for a team. And maybe no team in the Mountain West has gone through sort of a greater swing in fortunes than the Broncos have. Because what was it after at the end of September? That was like right after they had lost to Utah to UTEP, was it not? UTEP, yes. One of the worst teams in FBS in a long time. So when yeah. we say update your priors, like in a nutshell, if you look at what you know, especially just in terms of total offense. Let's I think there's a nice clean break between the first four games under Tim Plow at this point and the last four games with Dirk Cutter calling the shots with a new quarterback under center with a retooled offense flight. In the first four games, Boise State cracked five yards per play one time against New Mexico, and that was barely 5.04. But you know, at that point it had been a continuation of a problem that had more or less lingered since the 2020 season. Like the offense had been more uneven than anything, but in the last four games, starting with the San Diego state game on September 30th, they've cracked six yards of play three times. 
so when we say update your priors, it means you can't, obviously, maybe in this case, you can't think about Boise State in the same way that you did at the end of September. You have to see the changes that they've made and adjust your expectations accordingly. And what that means, in in part, in a, in a game like this, is you look at the growth that Talon Green has made week by week. And I think it was our guy Colin who pointed out that Jay Tust made note of this um, you know, over the last month or so. But you know, on a game-by-game -game basis, his numbers have improved as a passer in particular. You know, to the point that what was what was he last week? Like 25 of 30, something like that? Or 24 of 30. He's gotten over 300 yards for the first time in his career. 10 yards per attempt. Like obviously the 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 progress is not going to be linear like that week after week from now to the end of the season, but it's pretty clear that he's reached a new level of comfort in this offense that has been tailored on the fly to work for him. And while Boise may not be the same kind of offense that we have seen, I don't know, most recently, I guess you might say in 2018, 2019, like it looks different, but it is just as potent as those offenses were. In, at that time and so against the BYU defense that you know to your point has been you know really hit really hard by injuries and also been really excuse me really ineffective you know, that's where I look at things like for instance Boise on you know generally possessing a ma major field position advantage come you know week after week you know starting on offense at their own 32 yard line on average part of that is the defense part of that is special teams and the fact that BYU, by contrast, has faced really terrible field positions more often than not. Did you know that their average starting field position on defense is at the 33-and-a-half yard line? Did not. No. They're a little bit aggressive sometimes on fourth down, so that plays into a little bit. But uh, that's uh, it's a bit more thought it would be, for sure. Yeah. So, but and, and by the way, that's to put that into context, that's 124th in the country. So if if I'm Boise State, I'm thinking that I should be able to press by advantage in the in the retool ground game. You know, especially oh, if you know George Hawani's yeah. back to 100 percent especially if you know Ashton Genty is back to 100 percent too. I think his status in particular is still up in the air, is it not? I correct. It's still TBD to the moment because they don't tell us anything. Yeah. But you know, I but I do think that like if, if Hawani goes out and has the same kind of game that he had last week. They should be fine. <laughs> they, they should no, be he, in Matt, good shape to have the upper hand. He's not going to. He's going to obliterate what he did last week. BYU's rush defense is abysmal. They give up so many yards per play. Last week, they gave up I, the ECU quarterback. Uh, I think it's Keaton Mitchell, I believe it is. He mm -hmm. got pulled from the game. I think he had a uh, concussion at some point or potential con concussion. Late into the fourth quarter, they were that. Okay. As a team, it was about eight yards per carry. They're starting running back. Before the final couple carries, he kind of just when he got hurt, I believe, over 10 yards of carry late in the fourth quarter. He had about 160 something yards. I think he finished with like 19 for 175 on the day, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. North Carolina's way better than anybody else. East, Car East Carolina's rolling out. This this game, Jaron Hall's hurt. He's not healthy at all. He joins my radio show every week, but he always doesn't say much. But ever since Utah State game, he got a little hurt and Notre Dame game showed. Like he's not fully there. They're also one of the starting wide receivers. 
two actually two of them are out. Two of the better receivers are out. They do have Puka Nakua, who's really good. They'll do some mm-hmm. jet sweeps. That he'll get so he'll he needs to touch the ball a lot, and that's how they're going to win. But defensively, they cannot stop this ground game. They're not going to do anything to stop this particular rushing attack. Boise comes out. If Dorchani's anywhere near what he was last week, he's going to run for like potentially maybe. 200 yards possibly if they give him the ball enough. I I would not think that would be out of the question. Right yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that their their ability to create havoc was so limited. And yeah, I was just looking they, up what they've done over the last month. You know, they, they they had five TFLs against Liberty, which, you know, great, but they still lost that game by, by 27 points. And then they had, th- you know, three against Notre Dame and East Carolina, one against Arkansas. So, you know, thinking back to what we talked about a few minutes ago with Army, you know, BYU's in that same boat too. You know, their their team stuff rate is 120th in the country, 12.7%. Their opportunity rate is 126th. I see your point. Yeah. yeah. All then, that being said. Jaron Hall, if he was healthy, I'd give him a better chance just because he's if you look at the early couple of games before the Notre game Notre Dame game and his losing streak. They had like Gunnar Romney wasn't playing, Puka Nakua wasn't really playing here. They didn't play for a couple weeks. They'd find guys like Cody Epps, who's also out for the year, multiple receivers mm-hmm. who were he would find whoever to catch the ball and do well. And it's finally catch up to him. And then they're starting running back, which the running game was never great, in my opinion. We mentioned Chris Is Brooks, so Chris we talked about him before. No, he's out for the year. He's injured. And oh, so okay. but it's also it's also yeah, it's also interesting that during the season, like my I work on my show, it's here in Utah. So we talk a lot of BYU, a lot of Utah football. Chris Brooks running back, he's this beast of a guy. He's awesome. I'm I kept saying to people who would listen to me, he came from Cal, whose offense is terrible. Where do you expect him to fit in and be a great running back at BYU? He had a couple good games, nothing to write home about, nothing bad, but he was fine. But I'm like, you expect him to come in to be a Jamal Williams type of guy? Like, no, he's not gonna be a runner anywhere close to that, or even Guys in the past are down to Lapete or even Tyler Alger last year, who's with the Falcons, is doing good things in the NFL, at least this past week. They have Lapina Catello, who's been number two running back forever, and he had a great game last week versus ECU. He cracked 100 yards, had like 75 in the first quarter. So that could be a concern if they get him going, but he's boom or bust and never been, never been consistently a really good running back. And with Jaron Hall's shoulder, we know that's not completely healthy. It's not great. The play calling for offense seems to be not as creative as it used to be with Aaron Roderick. And they are a bit aggressive, but this is going to get ugly, I think. If boy, if these teams play how I think they've been playing, they're going in opposite directions by miles. Okay. Yes. Interesting. So I, Interesting. I think T- Taylor Green's good. He'll be fine. Like Unless J- Jaron Hall's shoulder miraculously gets better and he finds and Puka Nakua has like, and here's how, here's how BYU can win. Puka Nakua receiver Gets like a long rushing touchdown because they've done that a couple of times on jet sweeps or end of rounds. He get he goes for like twelve for one fifty in the air, another fifty on the ground, which is pretty obviously really good. Lapina Katoa has about eighty to one hundred twenty yards on the ground. Then they can keep it going back and forth. But defense, Boise's got to shoot themselves in the foot and have issues like with Air Force, they get stall out for field goals. But BYU's gonna have to play really good to beat this Boise team. I don't see it happening. So with that in mind, would you like to know what the advanced numbers say? Yeah, hopefully they're in my direction after saying all that. They are, though maybe not by as much as you think. And and I wonder if that's because, again, the projection systems haven't caught all the way up on these teams. 
with injuries right. too probably they're not always included. yeah and yeah and that's a, that's a very important to keep in mind projection systems of any kind don't really account for injuries there's no way to do that it's hard anyway um boise state is projected by sp plus uh with a 63 percent win probability projected margin of 5.9 um fbi also likes boise state maybe by not as much as you would expect by just 1.8 and then Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives the Broncos a 73.76% win probability, projected margin of about 38 to 29. That seems a bit close. What do you think is going to happen? I do think that Boise State should be able to take care of business at home. You know, okay. because like even if even if Hall plays at 80%, like he's still a like a decent quarterback. But if he can't do everything yeah. that, he's, that he wants to do, and if he doesn't get he's much hurt. help in the ground yeah. game, it seems like not a great situation to be in. And that's even despite the fact that, you know, Boise State also lost George Charles for the rest of the year recently, did they not? Um, yes, or a couple games. Washington, or, yeah. No, Washington, they had injuries last week. week uh, oh, shoot, who didn't play last week? Crap. Um, because they had, uh, oh, geez, he's one of the winners and losers I did. Oh, crap, I'm not spacing everybody's name here. It is George Charles, uh, by the way. Yeah, I know George Charles is out. There was the nose tackle who stepped in who had monster four and a half TFLs last week against mm-hmm. CSU. Oh my gosh, who am I spacing who was out? Um, is it Herbert Gums? Jack no, Gravens? It's a, it's a bar- I'm embarrassing myself here. Crap, I'm trying to pull it up right now. What's it? Uh, uh, where is it? Okay, I'm, I got to find it out because I'm so upset at myself for not remember, remembering these names who were out because. Okay, hold on. Here we go. I'm getting scrolling, scrolling. This is amazing podcasting. Divine Obichair. Obichair had a great game. Obviously, that's who had the good game. He was in for Matt Locke and Cravens Raw. That's who it was. Okay. I was like, oh, trying to remember who is not playing. But th- that game, the boy, really quick, like I mentioned the recap, like Divine Obichair, like he doesn't play very much. Whenever he plays, he's freaking amazing. And so, but if, if like, if those, are, if he has to do it again, that could be tricky. There's got Matt Locke's out. It's, like I mentioned, Cravens out. Hartlett, all these guys are out. If they're going to win, it's going to Boise. BYU's going to play their best game, one of their best games, clearly at least a month because they're on a four game losing streak. And if they lose, they're not going to the bowl game. They might beat Stanford, maybe they're Utah Tech, but it's a road game. This is kind of a rivalry game, but there are some injuries on the BYU's, excuse me, Boise State side, but they're, like, they're going to play like almost a near perfect game. Also, real yeah, quick. I was going to say, I, was, I just think Boise is oh. going to handle it pretty easily. Well, not pretty easily, but I think they'll win comfortably in the end. I'm going to say 30 to 21. You're too kind, man. I don't know if BYU can score 21 points. ECU's not a great team. They're okay. I'm going to go. My only hesitation is that the red zone issues for Boise State has had this year. But I'm mm-hmm. going to go 30. Uh, I don't want, I'm not going to go 40. That's too many points. Over under is pretty high, fifty four and a half. I think the under is a smart play. I'm gonna go 30, 36 to thirteen for Boise State. All right then. Also, real quick, playoff rankings came out. Boise's not in there. Can they get there with two wins? Possibly. I know our buddy Eric did a piece we put up recently today. Actually, on a Wednesday, recording this. We just want American chaos. Is that all it comes down to? Yes. Okay, we'll leave it there. We'll get more to this later, but. Tulane and UCF are ranked. They play each other soon. And I believe Tulane plays Cincinnati as well. So there's potential for Boise, Boise to get in there because I think the Sun Belt will beat, beat each other up as well. So, And Boise's probably playing as good as or not better than 
Tulane. UCF lost to ECU last week, like two weeks ago. So it's like, well, how good is UCF? So we'll see. All right, next game, UNLV at San Diego State, CBS Sports Network, a rare game, Matt, where the sun will be in the air one of the few times Aztecs hosted a game at 4 p.m. with the sun up. Should be nice, though. Should be nice. Six and a half point favorite for the Aztecs. The big news in this game, I believe, we know Doug Brumfield, Rebel quarterback, has been out for a couple weeks, and that's been a disaster. He has been practicing this week. He did practice in shorts last week, or pregame, or two mm-hmm. weeks, I should say. All signs point to him starting. If he starts, this is going to be one of the better games of the weekend, I believe. He's that good of a difference maker and playmaker for this Rebels offense. They're just a completely different team when he plays. Like They put in the um, Harrison Bailey. They put in um, Cameron Frill, who we liked as freshman year last season. They just aren't getting the job done. And their three-game losing streak, They've only scored 35 total points. Yeah, it hasn't been great. And and while obviously getting him back, if he's good to go, is going to be a huge deal for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does sort of obscure that the offense is still dealing with other potentially big injuries. You know, Kyle Williams is still day-to-day. His status for, th- for this game is up in the air. Same with Aiden Robbins, who, you know, like Brumfield, is still listed on the starter as the de- or still listed as the starter on the depth chart, excuse me. But, you know, he's still trying to get back into game shape. And I think they said, according to Andy Yamashita from uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, that his status might not be determined until game time on Saturday. Yeah, that's so, like, plus also you know, the defense has given up over 40 points a game the past three games as well. So it's not just offense. Having issues here. It's a oh, full team sure. effort. Yeah. You're sucking. A sucking team effort the past month. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, a lot of that has been, you know, due to injuries and stuff like that. But yeah. I guess the question is like, you, are, are we buying into this new San Diego State offense with Jalen Maiden under center yet? You're, you're tempting me to say something nice about Aztec quarterback. Should I fall for it or not? <laughs> Well, that, um, that's why I'm asking. I, I because you know yeah, I, I'm going to ask, had, right? I, I'm always I did not watch. I did not watch the game against Fresno State last week, so all I have to go on is is the stat sheet. But you know what they say when you're talking <laughs> about like looking only at the stat sheet to determine, mm-hmm. you know. So on the one hand, you know, I see that you know he completed like what fifty percent of his passes in that game, two interceptions, one was when the game was over where they where they were being which I liked, which you don't see very often, aggressive on offense. Like, So he really had one interception because one came at the end of the game where there was uh, like 50 seconds left. He had it as a pretty good, a decent pass. It's kind of I'm trying to recall because it was across the middle, down the field, like a 20-plus yard pass. I think as a safety came in and like he got tipped or the receiver didn't come down. There's okay. a little bit over overthrown, something like that. So really one interception. And he okay, tried. Yeah, I was thinking it. of two weeks ago when he completed forty eight percent of his passes against Nevada. Not last week. He was nineteen of twenty four. Just for the yeah, record. he did. He did well. The running game still a mess. He led the team rushing. He had four total touchdowns. So overall, he played quite well. So it's just two interceptions. One really one. So he he's upped his game and he's doing quite well. And I've always liked this Aztec offense. If they have a, like when they have Lucas Johnson, who I mentioned to recap, they have a guy who can run a bit. That's a big deal for them at quarterback, particularly when the running game is not going well, which it's not at the moment. And so they're going to mm-hmm. need him to do both. And the other interception he had didn't lead to any points. Is the interception then Fresno had Jay Kaner had his first pick a few plays later. So 
both interceptions. I know the one was a game ender essentially, but it didn't. It's it happened, so it's on the stat sheet, but it didn't. The first interception didn't lead to anything. The second one ended the game, but it was a good aggressive play to go down the field on the first play. They wanted to go go for it to get a big win or big big chunk play. But he has yeah. been playing better, and he's and didn't he have three hundred yards as well in his second start? I believe it was. No, so it was he's the first been, start against Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. Okay. Again, also playing Hawaii. Look at the teams are playing. But he's still, from what we've seen for typical Aztec quarterbacks, I'll take it. When do they ever throw 25 times, 20 plus times? And he's I mean, not if, good. If he's nothing not... else, if nothing else, it's going to make for a really interesting matchup against the UNLV secondary that, you know, on the season still ranks, you know, fairly highly in the Mountain West in terms of like their ability to create turnovers and things like that. But it's pretty clear that in, in the three games that they played in October, like they weren't getting as much opportunity to create turnovers. You know, I think in terms of like their past breakups, it was slightly down, if my math is correct, from where it was in August, September. You know, in, in those first five games, they had 11 in five games, passes, uh, PBUs. In October, they only had seven. And I think if I'm if CFBstats.com is to be believed, only two quarterback hurries too. So they weren't getting as much pressure on the quarterback and they weren't getting their hands on football quite as often to be as opportunistic as they were in the early part of the year. And I think if you want to really drive that point home, you see that they had, you know, they did have two, two turnovers against Notre Dame, but they had zero in the two games that preceded that. You know, when they were, you know, uncharacteristically sloppy on offense too, you know, minus five combined against both San Jose State and Air Force. So if they could get back to taking care of the football on offense and force Maiden into mistakes in the same way that the Bulldogs did last week, you know, they, I think there is a chance that they might be able to turn around their recent performance, but that I think is maybe a little harder to predict. Or a little harder to count upon, maybe. Yeah, this this game's going a couple of ways. If I, it's not. I don't think it's even many points because I think with going back to UNLV real quick, like they're off. Like Cam Oliver, or not Cam Oliver. Sorry, Doug Brumfield, wrong guy. How how, how rusty is he going to be too? Right. So we have to consider that. Maiden's coming into his own own way the past couple weeks. Brumfield's coming back after missing a couple weeks. Aztecs have no running game to speak of. It's not been very good. Rebels running game is fine. Like with um, Reese Specter, who has only 360 yards on the year Courtney Reese, he's been okay. Aztec defense has been fine, right? They've been okay. They've been great. They haven't played at the same level that they were. Like, and I know we talked about that during the last preview podcast that we did. I think. I'm conflicted about this game because I like UNLV. I, I want to predict them to get the win, but I just don't think they – I think it'll be a close game down on the wire. Because if, if, here's the thing. Brumfield's not going to be worse than what they had, but do uh, maybe I'm, I missed this or forgot. What was his injury? Do you recall what it was? Uh, concussion, I believe. Okay. that's Okay. I wasn't sure. Okay. So that type of injury takes him in to come back for him, but it's not a ankle or a shoulder or something that should – inhibit his player you, you know what i mean like once you're back from a concussion the, the you're not having a physical effect of how you play the game for running or throwing for the most part you might be yeah. a little hesitant to get hit but it's not like oh i sprayed my ankle or, or 
elbow or knee or something where you're limping or you feel it when you do something on the on the field. He should be good to go because you're very careful with this stuff so you don't hurt yourself, injury, or have long-term effects as best as possible. You can limit that. So if that's the case, I might just go Rebels upset. Why not? When he's out there, they're good, Matt, right? They're definitely and I don't like better that. than when he's not out there. And I know the defense hasn't been good. But domestic offense has been better throwing the ball, but they're, I don't see them rolling up 40 points against any team. I mean, at the same time, though, I think one important thing to keep in mind is that even when he was performing well, they, they were not necessarily great at protecting the quarterback. And so that, I think, is well, something to be aware of. <laughs> and, and that is something to be aware of in this particular game because it seems like, you know, even though on the season, you know, the numbers have been sort of lackluster, they haven't played at quite the same level. The pass rush in the last couple of weeks for the Aztecs has come to light. You know, they had three sacks in their comfortable win over Nevada. And then last week they had seven sacks against Fresno State. A lot of that, is you know Jonah Devai finally coming to life? You know he now leads the team with five and a half sacks himself, and I think you know most of that production has come in the last couple of weeks where he had five. He had two against Nevada, two and a half against the Bulldogs. So like if if he is back to that same kind of disruptive force that we expected him to be this year, you know he's getting help from other players in the in the front six too. Like you know Michael Shawcraft has two and a half sacks over the last couple of weeks. Justice Tavai is finally getting in the action. You know, I think he, you know, managed his first half sack since, you know, the opener against Arizona. So, like, if they could take advantage of that and and at least frustrate Brumfield in a way that, you know, defenses earlier this year weren't able to, you know, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, the Aztecs haven't played great on that side of the ball. On the whole, they are probably still better on that side of the ball than the likes of Idaho State and North Texas. Yeah, this. Mm. So, what do the advanced numbers say? Because there's not much more to dive through to see. Oh, this or that. I think it's time, Matt. We're going to make our picks here. Okay, so uh, SP Plus, like San Diego State, they give the Aztecs a 63% win probability, projected margin of 5.9. FBI also likes the Aztecs by 1.9. And uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview, gives the Aztecs a 58.83% win probability projected margin of about 25 to 22. Let's see what I picked on our sheet here. I got Aztecs to win, UNLV to cover. So I'm going to go... I don't think it's going to be a ton of points. I'm going to go 28-24 San Diego State. I think the Aztecs will be able to stymie the Rebels. Oh, interesting. Like, even if, even if Brumfeld is back, I think this is probably the best defense outside of Cal that he's seen this year. Could be. Yeah. And I think that's going to be enough for the Aztecs to win a close one. So I'm going to say 17-14 to 14, San Diego State wins. All right, next game. Got two more here. CSU at San Jose State. It's a Mountain West Network game, which we have not had in a while, or NBC Sports Bay Area. So check your local listings in Northern California. I believe it's also a stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mountain West Bay, possibly. 
Mount West Unless, website. Uh, it may also be the college press box is inaccurate because now I'm looking at the game notes uh, and it does say NBC Sports Bay Area on Colorado State's game notes. So, okay. Well, it's both. So there we it's go. Stadium Mountainless Network. It might be on the stadium website as well, but it's basically a Mountainless Network feed. So maybe yeah. that's what they're referring to. Possibly. But yeah. Spart- Spartans are a huge 24 point favorite at home. This will be their. They did a game last week where they did a moment of loudness, which is pretty cool. And they got the victory there to honor their former fallen teammate there. So with this game, the Rams are not very good in that. That's suffice to say. This is going to be a field day for Chevron Cordero. I think so. Why wouldn't it be? Like you're playing a Rams defense that's not good, right? Am I wrong on that? Am I saying something that's inaccurate here? Uh they have not they have not been great like they haven't been abysmal like they've struggled they've struggled in ways that i expected they would struggle coming into the year like they still don't have much of a pass rush which i think is gonna be a huge problem against cordero um but they've defended the run reasonably well you might say it's hard to say because here's their past couple games. They play. They played three of the worst teams in the conference: Nevada, Utah State, and Hawaii. I know Utah State's been better, but as Utah State had played, or excuse me, Bishop Davenport at quarterback. So they when they play a real team, Boise State, they get their butt kicked. So I know they they've been better the past couple weeks, and I don't want to discredit them improving regardless of who you're playing against. But they haven't played a team that's leading the division potentially win the conference. They. Did Dedrick Dedrick, Dedrick Parson a couple weeks ago had seventy one yards, reasonably good. They have been better, uh, but it's hard to tell. Like Braden Schrager doesn't throw the ball well, as well. They again Utah State had their four string quarterback in the game. They played uh, Nevada, who's going between Nate Cox and Shane Illingworth. They haven't played a good quarter quarterback. This is back to back weeks of playing a real deal quarterbacks, and Cordero is better than Taylor Green at throwing the ball, and so that's why I expect to. Uh, Short quarter to have probably 300 plus yards. He has only one pick on the year. Nine touchdowns leave something to be desire, but I think he'll throw pretty well this game. I don't see what the Rams have done to say, hey, we're going to pick him off three times. I know the offensive line's not great for San Jose State because they have, I believe it was 20, over 200 sack yards for Cordero. And I think he's been sacked like 27 times, I believe. My number's right. So there, there's a potential to get to him. I just don't think they're going to be able to stop it if he gets gets the ball off. I think what's really interesting about Colorado State to this point in the year is, you know, yeah, a lot of things haven't gone well, but one thing that the that hasn't really gone their way that is, isn't really a fault of theirs, they haven't had very good fumble luck this year, which which I think is worth pointing out because they've forced them or rather opponents have fumbled more times against them than any other team in the conference. Like they and Boise state have had 14 opponent fumbles. And oddly enough, they both covered recovered well under 50% of those. So like for the Rams in particular, five out of 14. So 35, 35%. And by contrast, I think it's worth noting because one of the things that the Spartans have done pretty well this year is they've been able to take care of the football. Like one, they've only fumbled four times on the year. They've lost two of them. And as a team, they have the fewest giveaways in the conference. They've only given it up three times. And and the next best team in that regard 
is Wyoming, who's given it up eight times. But I do think that there's something there because one thing the Colorado State has done well otherwise is they forced opponents into mistakes. You know, they have forced 11 turnovers, which is roughly middle of the pack in the conference. The problem is they're 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 minus three in the turnover margin because the offense is, is given the ball away even more often. But I think if the offense can play more mistake-free, which might just mean sort of trying to keep the ball out of the air as much as possible, be Avery Morrow another 25 times or so, and just try and let him run for 125 yards, control possessions in this game, and force Cordero into mistakes, which, no, yeah, he hasn't made a ton of them this year, but we've seen him be forced into those situations here and there this year. Like, that was what did him in against Fresno State a couple weeks ago, and so while I'm not saying that's the most likely possibility, you could see a scenario where, where someone like Aiden Hector or Jack Howell forces him into a mistake, picks off a pass, maybe sets up the Rams offense at midfield with a chance to like, you know, you know, turn a three-point deficit into a four-point lead. And then how did the Spartans respond from there? It, it, it's it's not as far-fetched as as you might think it is at first glance. Let's put it that way. No, that makes sense. I hear you. I I just thinking about what that what could be done in this game. You're thinking um, about the Rams offense, and I totally understand that. And it's a problem. Like Avery Morrow, he's really good. Can he run the ball well? That's gonna be that's gonna be their main thing if they can get the ball well with him. Because what he's been doing this year, when he's but he's also kind of been a little hit or miss. He's he he has the talent to be really good, and he'll get there and be really good. Because he only had five carries last week, which is not good. He was not used because they were down so big they had to have Clay Millen throw the ball. And they do have Troy Horton, who can obviously catch the ball for the Rams. But I, I do think their big key to keeping it closer but win is having more because three of the past four games, again, it's a t- also it's competition, which I don't want to take it away, but these were by far not even close, crushing good games against Hawaii, Utah State, Nevada. Averaged about 130 yards or so, 147, 116, 168. That's probably 130-something, maybe 140 there per game. Five, six yards six yard to carry, three touchdowns those games. Four, he's he's doing well. Boise just couldn't get the ball. He couldn't do anything, and so there's that. If he can step up and play, if Clay Millen can throw more than those stupid screen passes and short passes with the offensive line, if they can protect him, there is a way to see because Spartans, remember Portland State, they didn't play well. There's a couple games in mixed in where Spartans have been just, you know, just a team. Nothing nothing great to come home about because if Cordero slips up or Kai Robinson, there's no running game, which he's, again, way hit or miss. That's a big issue for them. But when the Spartans have, like, they play close versus Portland State, they, let's see, Auburn's not very good. They lost to them. They got blown up by UNLV. They played a close one versus Fresno State. It's like, and then even the last week, which, I think last week might be more of it's their first game back from their teammate passing away. I, I don't want to look too much into that. Like they played poorly because of how good they are, but they probably played because of the circumstance and situation of being emotional and a, just what they, the celebration they did as well. But mm-hmm. I just, and look at the Spartans defense, like Fahoko, Kate Hall, all these guys, look what they've been doing. They've been stepping up the past couple weeks. Like last versus just really quick. That this Nevada game. Did you see how many TFLs and sacks they had in that game? But he'll go four and have TFLs. Parham showed up big with two two TFLs. Kate Hall had four t- 
four tackles. I mean, excuse me, four sacks, four TFLs. I'm like, he, they had 15 total TFLs, nine sacks. You're telling me they can't get that against Clay Millen in a worse offensive line? I see your point. Okay. My points. No, I see your stand. point, but I, but I would say that that's incentive to try and keep the ball on the ground as much as possible because you want to precisely because you want to keep Bahoko and Hall, both of whom had five sacks in October, uh, yeah. off of Millen's back as much as possible. Exactly. Well, anything else when you get to this game? Like, what any other key particular keys you have besides like other stuff we haven't mentioned? Like Kai Robinson, we briefly mentioned he's a big deal. Spartans defense is going to have a big day. I think I don't. I just don't think it'll be particularly close. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I, mean, uh, I think it's okay. worth noting that the <laughs> the, the, the uh, projections don't think it's going to be particularly close either. What are they? Uh, SB plus like San Jose State, eighty eight percent win probability, projected margin of twenty point seven. Um, FEI also likes the Spartans by eighteen. And Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives San Jose State a 95.17% win probability projected margin of about 33 to 10. And what are you going to say? What are you going with? What's your final score? Yeah, I think San Jose State's going to win this one pretty comfortably. I'm going to say 37 to 13. They're scoring 13 points? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to go 42 to 7. I'm just going big. I just why not? I just, this will not be close. We'll get a couple of field goals and mostly touchdowns. All right, final game of the weekend. Why at your Fresno State Bulldogs match? It is 7:30 Pacific, FS2. So make sure you get FS2 in this matchup. Hawaii's back in the mainland. Spar or excuse me, um, Bulldogs. This is game two for Jay Kaner, and he played pretty well last week. The and Hawaii, well, Matt. They're not playing very well. They're not the best team. Dedrick Parson was held, was limited last week in his game he played when they were, uh, I don't remember who they played. I apologize. But they didn't, I know he didn't play well last week. They played well. But, well, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, that's right. They didn't get the Pauliano trophy. That was 27 20. There we go. But that's a pretty good defense. So, Jay Cater, game two, he played pretty good. I'll say above average. He had the picks in the game, but they're all in the second half. I, I just think. For, this is going to be a game where Hainer's more comfortable. They're going to get get every more involved, like Cropper to put the ball a bit more. Is Josh Kelly back yet? Is he still missing this game? Uh, so he, far as I know, his status is still up in the air. Because he did suit. He was dressed last week, but he didn't play. I believe that's there's a couple of guys who dressed and didn't play. So, but I just I just with Hainer coming back for game number two for being hurt, more comfortable at home. Yeah, Kelly did play a little bit last week. Oh, maybe, one, okay, one of the maybe. pass, one of the second half passes was uh, one of the second half interceptions. Excuse me, it was a, was a throw to Kelly. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Okay, I remember he plays limited, but just Hainer coming back be more comfortable. I think he'll have another pretty good game against a not so great defense. That's where I kind of think this could be going with him. Just uh, oh, I'm I'm back playing. I'm more healthy. It's uh, a drill football again, so that's gonna be a big thing. And we see why. Well, like Shager, what's he gonna do? Is I know we talked up like. Um, with uh, Parsons and receivers, Hawaii's getting a bit more healthy. The overrunner is high for a reason because I think Hawaii can move the ball on that. They'll get a few things here going here and there. They're just not going to be able to go score for score. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you mentioned that Hawaii has not been good per se, but I do think it is important to know. So like going back to what we mentioned earlier about updating your priors, 
They're not bad. Has, stone, they've they? been better. No, we've discussed this, yes. And and I just, you know, to belabor that point a minute, um, you know, the, the in August, in August, September, like the first five games that they played, no the Warriors good. <laughs> offense averaged 4.5 yards per play. Through October, that went up to 5.25. So like modest progress, but still progress. That also holds true on the defensive side of the ball, too, where in the first five games, the Warriors were dead last. It wasn't even close in the Mountain West. 7.3 yards per play. But in the last month or so, they've actually been you know, a little bit better. Still, They're still next to last, but that number has jumped up to 5.85. The big difference for them, and I think what enabled them to keep the game close last week against Wyoming was they they finally created more turnovers again. Yeah. Which was something that they hadn't really done a lot of. It's it's been sort of a hit or miss kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I believe it was Peter Manumo who had the two interceptions last week, right? Um I don't recall if I had said sure I'll go with it. I don't recall that exactly. was that was the first time the Warriors had won the turnover battle since September. Well overall they've been good it's like the past the three losses they've had, yes, they were one and four. Or should be one in three in October in October so far. 16 to 14, losing two points, four points at CSU, and seven points Wyoming. They're very close to honestly, like within the spinning distance of being on a four-game winning streak and having three more being almost eligible. So they've been closer. And Wyoming, say to like I know Wyoming's offense isn't great, but they still put up 20 points on this pretty solid defense. Yeah, it probably should beat the Rams, they're not very good. But San Diego State and that Wyoming loss, that is showing true progress against two teams where Wyoming is the, currently the only second team to be bowl eligible. Aztecs will get bowl eligible at some point, probably next couple weeks. So they're not too far off. It's And Fresno, the only difference is Fresno's offense is going to be the best they've seen since Michigan. So it's been a while. But yeah, I, I mean, I, the, the bigger problem be tough. for Hawaii right now is their offense just isn't explosive enough. Yeah, and uh, you know, outside well, of Zion Bowens, who's continued to have a pretty good month, you know, since his return from injury, mm-hmm. you know, despite that, I didn't realize this, but Shager still hasn't cracked seven yards per attempt in any of the last six game or five games that he started. Yeah, it's not great, and also Parsons not being consistent is an issue as well. So if he were to be like he's doing fine, and we like what he's doing with his, what does he have? Ten touchdowns. It's really good, but he only has 572 yards. He's hit or miss in certain games. When you look at kind of what he's been doing the past little while, he, like the past two games, he has only had, excuse me, exactly 100 yards in the prior two games. And San Diego State, 70 yards, 136 or 130, yeah, versus Nevada, three touchdowns, huge game. But he's just not consistent enough to be counted on, unfortunately. Like he's out there getting the carries what he needs. I know last week he only had 12. So that was a problem for I don't recall exactly because the other guy uh I'll get in a second and they played well, but his he's You're been okay. About Hines. Yeah, Tyler Hines. Sorry, it's based on Tyler Hines. Like he maybe it's a dual combination this week for what they can do, but Parsons has been okay, but not great. But he does score when it matters. Ten touchdowns, still ten touchdowns, that's pretty good overall for the so, running back at this point in the season. It's just they need if Hines does well. If Parsons, if those two guys combine for because last week in loss they had real quick one thirty, but also Hines had. It was interesting, like just real quick last week he had eleven carries, hundred yards. He didn't have like a giant seventy yard run. His longest run was only twenty, 
So every time mm-hmm. he touched the ball, he had an explosive play. So that's something to consider as well. If Parsons can get 60, 75 yards, Hines can be, he's not getting 9.4 yards per carry map, but if he can be in that same neighborhood of minimal carries, but just makes plays, that'll help them keep, keep things close for Fresno. Maybe. So I'm glad you mentioned Hines because when we talked about updating your priors and sort of changing your expectations, there's been a quiet reason why basically since the New Mexico State game. Yeah, he's he didn't average, he's probably not going to average nine yards per carry no. again. <laughs> no. But it is important to note that you know even with you know sort of limited playing time and early in the year for the season he's averaging seven point six yards per carry, and that isn't really like a one time fluke kind of thing. Like you know in the the last five games, he's been under six yards to carry one time, and that was against Nevada when he still averaged 5.8, which coincidentally also happened to be his biggest workload of the year so far, yeah, too, with 12, 12, 12 carries, 70 yards mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, having, you know, another asset that they can rely on with the ground game is something that I would be shocked if they didn't try and lean upon that a little more in this game, not only to sort of keep the Fresno State offense off the field, but to take some of the pressure off a of shaker who is going to be up against a Fresno State pass rush that's been you know, much better in, in recent weeks as well. I think, especially given that efficiency has not been shaker's strong point to this point in the season, yeah, they, they. I would be shocked if 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 Hines and Parson don't take on a bigger workload than we've seen them, you know, take on in the last month or so combined. I'm wondering because I wonder if there's there. This has no no basis in anything at the moment, but they're wondering if there could be a diminishing return of the Hines because getting his production, like going 15 for 150 or 15 for 135, it seems unrealistic. I think they probably want to keep him around eight to 10 touches a game. And then Parsons, he's the one who needs to step up and do better because Hines has shown he can do well when he's called to be out there. They need the combination to be great, but I don't know if you want to give Hines 15 carries in the game. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he can keep that production going. If he goes from eight yards a play or what he's at seven and a half down to five and a half, if he gets four more touches. They need both. This is a combination of the guys need to do very well. Hines will break off a big play. It seems like that's his capability and his skill set he can do. But I think they will definitely need to lead on their ground game. And Schrager just like, figure something out, dude. Come on, get the ball. Fresno defense is it's fine, right? It's nothing. It's not amazing. With They're banged up a little bit with guys not playing. And they they did allow State of the State, which we're, whatever I'm thinking about, it's 28 points. They haven't, but Boise gave up a lot of points. It's been... They've been getting better, but there's still a defense where I don't know how fully you trust them. But against a Hawaii team that's not amazing, they should be able to hold their own. But I think there's there is room if Schrager can figure things out. The ground game gets going so well, maybe they bust him over the top or get a couple of big plays because of Fresno having to focus more on those two running backs. Yeah. That's kind of a educated guess of what I think they should do. Play an amateur coach here. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But do you have concerns about your Fresno State defense? I mean, in this particular game, they should have the advantage just because, you know, Hawaii has improved. But again, efficiency hasn't really been their friend to this point in the season. 
So I do think that, you know, even if they can't force Shager into mistakes, they can force him at least into incompletions. You know, it seems like the kind of situation where you know, the, the fact that you know, Hawaii hasn't really been good about, you know, being able to stay on schedule on early downs in particular on either side of the ball or keeping <laughs> keeping opponents from doing the same things. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like a really good matchup for this Hawaii defense. Or for the Y offense, excuse me. So what do we think the advanced numbers say? Are they going leaning Fresno State probably, I'm guessing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, here, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, SP Plus likes Fresno State with a 93% win probability. Uh, projected That's... margin of 25.2. Wow. Uh, FEI also likes the Bulldogs by 19.1. And then Parker Fleming has advanced as preview gives Fresno State a 91 0.16% win probability projected margin about 25 to 6. That's a lot of points. Over under is freaking 27 in this game. Hmm. That's a lot. Is that too much, right? Maybe I like Hawaii's been a little better. I think it's right there on the fence. I they predict Fresno to cover this game, so maybe it just it just seems like a lot. It's like twenty seven points. I think it'll be. I just don't. Oh man, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm going to stick with my guns. I already, it's not posted yet on the website, but I already said it now, so I'm going to go forty two to ten for Fresno State. I'm going to take the Bulldogs to win, but I'm going to take Hawaii to cover. I'm going to say thirty. What was the spread again? Twenty seven. <laughs> 27. Okay, I'm going to say 38 to 17. Okay. If you want to cover over under, I think Hawaii needs to score 21 points because that's sitting at 62 at the moment. There you go. I don't I don't know if Hawaii could get that many points, but that's what we got for this week. Every game Saturday starts at 830 Pacific. Final game starts at 730 Pacific. So you get a full day of football. Watch your teams accordingly. You have a couple. They're spread out reasonably well until the, well, I guess the first couple are first two, but check your teams. Hope they do well. MWR.com. We have previews, recaps. We'll have a race to the New York Six Bowl game, which is already out there now. We'll have other random stuff going on. MWCR on Twitter as we uh, tweet tweet through the games all weekend. And 